You're listening to The Britpop Show. Sponsored by Creation Day Festival. Playing the best and the rest of Britpop. Welcome to Monday night. I've just been reminded that I, it's it's five, six o'clock and I'm in an old prison and it's getting dark and next week it will be dark by the time I get here. So it's spooky enough. Anyway, we're just going to play a song I've never played before on The Britpop Show.
Beetlebum by Blur. And if you're going to talk about Blur, you've got to talk about Oasis, haven't you? So I read this in the week. There was something that Noel has now shed light on why he and Liam no longer speak. And he's claiming responsibility for the fallout. According to him, it was an incident involving clothing that marked the beginning of the end. He said to the son, Liam gave us a load of clobber. Not just me, he gave it to the band. I went straight to the charity shop and left it in the shop doorway. He went mental. If you don't want it, apparently, Liam said to Noel, if you didn't want it, you sh- and I'm taking out a lot of F's and C's, if you didn't want it, you should have just said you didn't want it. And apparently Noel says that the clothing, which was from Liam's brand new clothing range, Pretty Green, ended, ended up on the shop mannequin floor. Anyway, we're going to move straight to a bit of Rick Witter, because this week is part two of our interview with Rick Witter. And this, here he's talking about chasing rainbows. most famous person on your phone now I'll give you a little bit of context Mark Morris had Simon Pegg because he's international and Sonia from Echo Belly had Madonna oh really well, you're not going to beat that so I think I think you're you're not on this one you're not going for gold you're going for silver <laughs> uh, well I've got Alan Carr um, son of Northampton town manager yeah. Graham Carr Yes, the very same one. And funnily enough, I do a radio show on a Sunday evening. Radio uh, Yorbit, isn't it? Uh, Yorbit Radio, yes. Yeah. And um, I've had him on, and we had a really nice chat about York City because there's connections there. Yeah. Um, so, and we had a really good chat about football, me and Alan Carr. It was great. Yeah, and he, because I remember him saying something about, imagine me growing up as the son of a football manager. It's all lads, lads, lads. <laughs> <laughs> It's quite bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's your most famous, Alan Carr. Well, I don't know. You tell me. I've got Keith Lemon. Is he more famous than Alan Carr? I don't know. They're all kind of celebrities. Well, throw them out. Throw, out. throw out your list. Keith Lemon, Alan Carr. Uh, we've got Chris Moyles. He's, he's a good friend. Yeah. You know, that, in fact, I feel like I'm bragging now, but it's genuine. Yeah, but I have that's that's the point of the question. I want you to brag. Um, <laughs> Chasing rainbows. During lockdown, it became a bit of a NHS symbol, didn't it? Well, the rainbow certainly did. But um, didn't I? Because I saw it all on Twitter, and it was like everybody was everybody was throwing stuff out about chasing rainbows and an NHS symbol. You were you hoping for a number one secretly? 
Well, this is how ridiculous it is because quite early on we had we got in touch with our ex record label who owned the rights to that song and said, look, why don't you re-release this and all the money can go towards the NHS? Yeah, and it, it, you know it would have been a nice thing to do. Yeah, and and there was interest there, but it took them that long to sort it out that by the time it was ready to be released, it was when lockdown was coming to its end, and then yeah. we felt it might be kind of just cashing in or at yeah. least at least not cashing in because the money would have gone to, to, to the NHS, but using our name to, to be good when it wasn't as necessary. So yeah. frustratingly, that would have been lovely to have put the song out there, reminded people that the song exists and all of the money would have gone to the NHS. But it just took them so long to get their acting to gear that we kind of put a stop on it because it was too late, which is quite frustrating, really. favourite gig? Well again it's very difficult for me to answer that because we're very lucky as a band we've got a great fan base that persist on keep coming back to see us and it could be a drizzly night in Lancaster on a Monday or it could be the Camden Roundhouse on a Saturday there's no there's not much difference people just yeah. enter that room and you and I think people just lose themselves for an hour and a half yeah um, so you know I mean, there has been a lot of great gigs, but the majority of them are just a great Shed 7 gig. So It's not, it's not Christmas unless you've been to a Shed 7 gig. Well, this is it. We've, we've become synonymous with it, haven't we? We are yeah. the gift that keeps giving. Like Michael Bublé, you wake up in November. <laughs> yes, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, then, favourite support act? As in act that has supported you? Well, we've had a lot of them as well over the years, and most of them have gone on to be more successful than us. So we've obviously Flea got the that. You know, Flea from the Red Hot Chilies, he sent one out, and it was like Smashing Pumpkins, Guns N' Roses, you know, all these bands. You're like, wow. Yeah, 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 incredible. Yeah. yeah. I do remember Supergrass supporting us on a quite a big tour just before they were releasing their debut album. Yeah. So that was always a great joy because they were brilliant because they were so youthful and so kind of into it yeah. that they I were young weren't they they were very young yeah. and I used to stand on the side of the stage watching them nearly every night because they were just so kind of good Danny was such a great drummer So that, that was always quite satisfying. Stereophonic supported us in Middlesbrough in about 1997, just before they got big. Funnily enough, we played in this venue called the Middlesbrough Arena. So we thought, oh, we're doing all right, we're playing an arena. And then we, we turned up at the venue and it was a pub called the Middlesbrough Arena, <laughs> which, which Stereophonic supported us at. So now, surely, they could return the favour and do a gig in an arena in Middlesbrough and we can support them. Well, you'd think so. Maybe I'll send this out to them and see what they say. I'll have word with Sorry? They'll be listening anyway, won't they? Well, I'll have a word with Kelly next time I see him. All right, do that, yeah. Talking to which, he never ages, does he? What's, what's going on there? 
<laughs> Dorian Gray or what? I mean, yeah. So, so are you going stereophonics with that favourite supporter? Um, no, let's go with the long pigs. Ah, oh, I love the long pigs. Okay. Yes, the long pigs are great, and they supported us. Um, so let's go with the, for the long pigs track, because uh, that was great as well, because they were a really good band yeah. who stopped too soon. How interesting was that about chasing rainbows in the NHS and trying to release it over lockdown? Didn't know about that. But did you hear my excitement about the long pigs? And if he mentions the long pigs, I'm obviously going to play them. She said.
Look at that. Rick Witter saying that the Long Pigs were the best band that supported them. Obviously, you've got to play some Long Pigs. We've been a bit bit uh, hectic, or hecko, as the kids say, today. We've just moved straight in, and we've got it's like quarter past, and we haven't even taken a breath. So let's take a little pause. And let me tell you about something I did in the week. I went to an actual gig. That's right. I went to a gig. It was a gig with Morris, Clark, and Helm. Mark Morris of the Blue Tones. Uh, Nigel Clark of Dodgy and Chris Helm of the Seahorses. Now they are supporting Shed 7 in this upcoming Shed Semba tour. So I thought I'd play some Blue Tones, some Dodgy and some Seahorses and let's start with some Blue Tones. <laughs> A lot is the answer, and that's from their second album, Turn to the Last Chance Saloon. 
Now, this gig I went to, Morris Clark and Helm, it was great because it started off with Chris Helm. He played some seahorses and gave us some, gave us some stories. You know, if I can remember any, maybe I'll tell you some when I play a bit of seahorses. And then on came Nigel Clark, did some dodgy songs. He played, uh, actually, again, I'll, I'll talk about that when we get to the dodgy song. And then on came Mark Morris. And then they all came on and they did five songs. Some of them were covers. And there were a couple of new ones that Morris Clark and Helm were doing. There's one called Drive Through, which is pretty good. I quite liked it. They said they always get a bit worried because, you know, they have to three of them all triple harmonising, but it was done. It was good. It was a good gig. But back to this interview with Rick Witter, because they are supporting Rick Witter of Shed 7. Coming up, if you haven't got tickets, you better get them soon. And I asked him, as I ask all of all of the people who ring up, whether they, they do these handwritten lyrics, or as I like to call for Rick Witter, handwritten lyrics. I'm here all week. So how did you spend lockdown? Was it any writing or just, just sitting around? Um, yeah, a little bit of both, to be honest. I do do these handwritten lyrics that people can purchase off me. So there was a time in lockdown where people were going stir crazy and, and wondering what they could get as gifts for family members. So I was writing a few of them out. Uh, as I say, I'm always on the lookout for lyrics. So I'm, not, I'm always thinking. But to be honest, when we're not out and about doing stuff, I spend a lot of time at home anyway. So it wasn't really that different for me in, yeah. in that respect. Uh, I just spent some nice time with the family and chilled. And these handwritten lyrics, whose idea was it? Well, I'd never even considered doing this ever. And then a lady contacted me saying, do I do them? because her friend was moving to Australia and she wanted to get her a nice gift. And she thought a gift of me writing out Chasing Rainbows and signing it and putting a message at the top would be a lovely going away gift for a friend. So I kind of thought, well, I've never, I've never even really considered this. So she said, all right, well, I'll, I'll give you a bit of money for doing it. So I did it and, and she loved it. And then a, a friend who was moving away apparently absolutely loved it. So I just thought, well, if if two people have loved it, then other people might love it. And then I discovered that Mark Morris does this, and Miles Hunter, the Wonderstuff, does this, and probably so many other artists do it. So I just thought, well, why not? Because all through lockdown, I'm not owning anything. You know, I'm not doing it. I've got a mortgage to pay. I'm not yeah. some type of millionaire just living it up. So, you know, it became a thing which lots of people have, have enjoyed. And it, it is a bit weird. I get a few people who like me to write weird messages to the partners or the brothers or the friends or the mums, you know, yeah. um, that then is on their wall in their house, which is quite a, quite a nice thing, really, because obviously I just write these lyrics and I'm doing it just for myself. It's like cathartic just for me to write songs, you know. So it's lovely that people take them to the heart. Yeah, because Mark said you called him up and said, do you mind if I do it? I did never say that. I don't need Mark Morris's permission for anything, thank you very much. Well, he said it was a really sweet thing to do, and he said that you called up and he was like, oh, and I see that you do this, and he was like, because Mark's lovely, and he was like, of course I haven't got a copyright on the deal, you bastard, you're eating into my market, you bastard. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, I, might, um, I, might, I might have phoned him up and said, you know, is it, do you get a lot of interest when you do it? You know, yeah. just sounding out you know well you he know. was saying how what a lovely guy you were for, for ringing up and, and running it fast. well mark morris reciprocated he is a lovely chap and i'll yeah. be seeing a lot in december you will indeed because morris clark helm is supporting you aren't they yes they are so that's going to be a lot of fun because those three guys are lovely blokes and yeah. you know it's 
at the, at the bottom end of this discussion, it, it's great value for money for people who like 90s music because you're going to hear a lot of 90s hits being sung that night because of the fact that the nature of the act that they are, you know, there's three different bands all playing as one. Yeah. So you're going to have a lot of dodgy, a lot of seahorses, a lot of blue tones, and then we come out and do all of ours. So it's it, it'll be good. It'll be a great atmosphere and good value for money. And I'm sure there'll be lots of drunken antics backstage. Well, that's right. So tell me a bit about the tour. You you do this every couple of years, and you're all over the country, aren't you? You start in November. Yes, it's become a thing, hasn't it? It's become known affectionately as Shedsember. Somebody coined that phrase. Well, it's now Shedbember as well as Shedsember, really. Um, I think soon we'll be doing Shoon. I like it. <laughs> like it. It won't really work for January. January. Not... January. Yeah, yeah. That's not crazy. Yeah. We we'd taken about three, four years off, and then discovered the fact that we were really missing playing live because, as I've said previously we just love showing off and that's the whole point of what being a band so we we kind of just put two or three gigs on sale just just so that we could go out and play without really knowing where that would lead if there'd be any interest at all it'd been a few years we've not done anything and it just went a bit mental we sold out all the gigs immediately and had to add about another 15 just to and oh well and upgrade the venues so that was way back in 2007 and we thought right well obviously that was brilliant and people are saying will you do that again so we just thought rather than do it the following year let's give it let's do it in two years time to give people the chance to kind of go off and do other things yeah. i think that was a canny move at the time because we found ourselves doing it every other year since and i think if we did it every year some people might think right well i went last year i'll go next year and then suddenly we're playing slightly smaller venues and it doesn't have the same so it's quite a canny move just to kind of do it every other year and give people the break from us yeah but even now in 2021 we're about to embark on the same thing uh, and as much as yes there is a slight slice of nostalgia there because we're playing quite old songs. We've also had this new album not so long ago in the scheme of our career and we're playing songs off that so it's not full-on nostalgia but I totally get that people want to just get a babysitter booked in, come out, reminisce about what they were doing when these songs were being sung in the 90s and just forgetting about everything else just for an hour and a half and having a few drinks. Yeah. So if we we can be part of their lives for that then so be it and we'll, we'll continue to do that until nobody comes to see us anymore so how are ticket sales going are we are we close to sellouts should people be rushing out to get their tickets now yeah it's getting it's looking very very healthy i think we're doing about 22 gigs or something and at least eight of them have gone and the rest are all looking very very healthy and there's still plenty of time before we actually leave the house and go, go and start doing it so not much time, Rick, though. People need to get on it, don't they? Well, yeah, there's about, what, seven, eight weeks until we're off doing it. So, so um, yeah, there's plenty of time to get them last few tickets done. I'm, I'm kind of I'm convinced by the time we get to mid-November that there won't be hardly any left. So you've got some new band members? Yes, we have, yes. Yes, so we've got Maxi, who's taking over the drums, and Tim, who's doing the guitar and the keyboards. So that is all quite exciting because it was kind of thrust on us and it's kind of made us pull our socks up a bit and it's kind of made us 
look at the set list and kind of change a few things around, not in any way where it's going to be hugely different. We've had a few rehearsals and it sounds very exciting and it sounds very tight and it sounds very Shed 7, as it will do because it's my voice and Paul's guitar for a start. Um, but it's kind of made us revisit some songs that we've not played since the 90s. So we're actually really excited about getting out there. And not only for us to play some different singles from the past, but also for the fans that come in to hear something that either A, they've never heard us perform live, or B, haven't since 1998 or something. So, so it, it's looking very positive and good, and I'm very much looking forward to it for that reason. And people are going to want me to ask this question. What happened? What happened with the others? Various reasons, really. Over the last few years, I think it's the hearts not quite been in it as much. Uh, busy doing other things in the life. Difficult to really answer. But we've, you know, we've, we've stayed in touch. There's no, there's no bad fit in any way. Yeah. They're still in York. You see him, see him around. Yeah, yeah. in York. Yeah. Well, Alan, the drummer, is my brother-in-law. So. Oh, you know. okay. <laughs> How good was that? interesting interview he's an interesting guy isn't he i i didn't mean to wind him up about mark morris but you know it seems that i might have oh well what can you do i think i pulled it back though like i say i went to see morris clark and helm and if you are interested in going to see them which you should be because they were brilliant go and get your tickets to shed seven he said mid-november they should be selling out and i think he's probably right that they are they're getting pretty scarce so don't miss out now i did have i love it when people send a tweet during the during the week and and uh let me know that they're listening i had a, a message from helen stairs enjoyed catching up on the Britpop show podcast while working late last night i disagree on the best shed seven track though disco down is my absolute favorite and then a guy called lee marks followed that up disco down is stan's favorite tune of all time will make sure he tunes in well hopefully you both are listening whether live or on the podcast. If you're listening live, send in a message. You know what to do. Just hit on the app. Just hit message the studio. Uh, As a result, we've got to play Disco Down, haven't we? Want to request? Get in touch via our website.
to the Britpop Show. Sponsored by Creation Day Festival. Playing the best and the rest of Britpop. It's very Shed 7 heavy tonight, isn't it? Or Shed 5, as I like to call them nowadays, because, you know, they've lost a couple of members. Uh, do you see, I didn't duck the question. I asked it. I know, I thought you'd be proud of me. Should we carry on with the interview? I'm loving this interview. A bit of Rick Witter. He, he really is a royalty. He's a prince. He's long with Mark Morris and all that kind of stuff. He's a prince. I don't think he's a king. He's not, he's not quite someone like Liam or Noel, but he's, he gave me a good interview and that's why he had to split it into two parts. And here's some more of it now. So what else are you up to? You've got the tour coming up. You've got the handwritten lyrics. By the time this goes out, you will have done an evening with Rick Witter up in Edinburgh. Um, yes, that was good. <laughs> oh. um, and have you got any more of those planned? Well, the company that asked me to do it, he contacted me saying, do you want to do it? And I said, I'll listen, because he threw about, he kept throwing dates out at me. And I've agreed to do two because I want to see if I enjoy doing it. I don't want to, to be put in a position where I'm not enjoying it and I've agreed to do loads. Yeah. So I've done one and it was actually really good. I enjoyed it a lot. So yes, uh, I did the Edinburgh one as well and, and that was brilliant. That was brilliant. So you've got some more lined up soon for you. Well, yes, I'm hoping to maybe next year to do that, but obviously the rest of this year now is concentrating on getting match fit for this tour. We are re-releasing a maximum high because it's 25 years old this year. Is it coming out on vinyl? It is, yes. Um, but also, more excitingly, if you are a proper true Shedhead, is when we released the original Maximum High, that did come out on vinyl, to be fair, the actual album, 
but we, about three weeks later we released a special edition Maximum High on CD, also coming out on vinyl too, for the first time ever. So that is quite exciting for us for mixing it up a little bit. So that's coming out in November. So that's going to be like, got to be four, four records at least if you're doing... Yes, well, well, I think you can, you've got options, I believe. You can order things separately on their own or you can buy this fancy box set with it all in. Yeah, and so when did you say that was out? I believe that's coming out something like the 12th of November. So I think you can pre-order it from now and it's out on November the 12th. Nice. Just in time for Christmas. Just in time yeah. for a Shed, Shed 7 gig. Just in time for Christmas. Exactly that. And obviously, because it's maximum high, you'll hear at least five or six songs live off that album that you might buy. Because we've remastered it at Abbey Road, so it's sparkly and new. So you'll hear some of those songs when we play them live the following month. We're revisiting some songs that we've not played for a long, long time. So yeah. that is for us as well, it's, it's an exciting prospect. Because Mark once said to me about, there's a song on the end of their second album called Broken Star, which, and I said to him, why do you never play that live? And he said, because the rest of the band, it just doesn't sound right, they can't get it, it doesn't click. Are there any songs that are like that with you guys? And if so, are you now able to play them now you've got new band members? Uh, well, we've not got that far into this new lineup yet, to be honest, to, to a question. I mean, yeah, there is obviously songs that just don't quite feel right. The last tour we did in 2019, we were trying our artists to, to do a song off Instant Pleasures called Victoria. And for some reason, it just wasn't quite working out. I don't know what it was. Maybe we were playing it too slow, yeah. looking back because we never we eventually didn't bother but that's when we're going to go and from this point until the tour we're going to try ideas that perhaps weren't working and see if we can actually just get it licked because yeah. there shouldn't be any songs really unless unless they're just full of backing that you wouldn't yeah. be able to recreate live yeah you've got like eight guitars really, on it or something yeah so any song really by rights you should be able to strip back to just an acoustic guitar and stand on the street and sing it and it should still sound like a song so yeah. it's no excuse really that so we yeah we are gonna you know as i say we're excited to um to try things that we haven't for a long time it almost brings back a bit of youthfulness for us as well because we're remembering them times so since lockdown finished are you finding that the audiences are really appreciative of live music yeah, the first couple of gigs back, definitely thought that, yeah. And I think just as much us as a band stood on the stage looking out at that, we felt exactly the same. Just lucky to be able to just get out there and do what we do for a living and love doing. Yeah. You know, we're very fortunate people to be able to do a job where we absolutely love doing it. And not many people can say that. So we know that and we're very fortunate that we're in that situation. But yeah, things do tend to suddenly become normal again and i think we did two or three quite big festivals over the last month and if you suddenly presented with yourself with about thirty thousand people looking back at you it just becomes normal it's like how it used to be you know yeah, yeah. we've got some more from rick witter we've got one more segment from his interview before the end of this show but as i told you i went to see a gig morris clark and helm and morris went on 
last, so he's sort of headlining, but they shuffle it about every day. Before him was Clark, and starting off was Helm from the Seahorses. And he told me about this story. He said that John Squire, who obviously was from the... Uh, from the, from the Stone Roses, he said that he came up to him and said, oh, I've got this new song. I think it might be a single. And he handed him the lyrics. And, <laughs> and basically what Chris Helm said was he looked at it and the first thing that jumped out him on the page was the word strap on. And he thought, mm, not quite sure this is going to be a single, mate. And he said, but what did I know? This is what happened.
Love is the Law by the Seahorses. He was good, Chris Helm. Uh, I'd seen him live recently at uh, the Breakout Festival in Northleach, in fact, and he was very good then and he was very good uh, the other night as well. And also, just, so just after him, just before Mark Morris, I mean, what a lineup, was Nigel Clark. And he came on, obviously, with his acoustic and played a load of dodgy songs as well. And there was one that just stood out for me that night. This one, I've always liked this song anyway, but this one really lends itself to solo acoustic. It was brilliant. This is If You're Thinking Of Me. I'm waiting for a friend to come to help me off the ground. Better come sooner than later, can't stop feeling down. Scattered memories drifting back from my stereo. Of how we dream this could be.
See, that's a pretty good track, isn't it? Pretty good track. And he played that live solo on an acoustic. So what are you going to do? You're going to go out and buy some Shed 7 tickets, aren't you? Because you get to see Morris, Clark and Helm, and then you'll see Shed 7. It is going to be a 90s fest. Right, we've had some messages in. You all woke up during that song. Had a message from Angelica. Great show, David. I really like the track by Dodgy. Uh, well, I'm glad I played it. And a message from Bok. Hiya, another great show. As always, loved the interview. Well, the interview's not quite finished. Here's the last bit of it. I was in New York for a year and I, you came into a pub and I was with my mates and one of them was like, go and stick some Shed 7 on the jukebox. And I was like, don't <laughs> do that. It's shit. That's, don't, don't do that. Anyway, he did it. But by the time, because you know what jukebox is like, you have to wait about an hour. By the time it yeah. came, you'd already left. Well, there you go. <laughs> It was just at the time you'd released She Left Me On Friday and one of my other mates went up to speak to you about it and you said to him, what, oh, what do you think of the new single, she, she Left Me On Friday? And he was like, oh, it's a, it's a blur rip-off. And, and you said to him, well, it's an opinion. <laughs> and I was like, why would you be a dick to him? Why wouldn't you just say it's a good song, you idiot? And he was like, oh, you know. Well, you know, it wasn't the only one who said that about that particular song but I, you know I can kind of see it a little bit I always thought it was a bit more of a football terrace kind of chanty thing you know yeah, it's... and it's a, bit, it's a bit tongue in cheek and a bit of a jokey song really I mean the whole hook is based around she left me on Friday and ruined my weekend that's it yeah. the story's being told in those two lines hasn't it really yeah yeah uh, is it about someone anyone in particular no, it isn't, but it's funny because I do get a lot of people who message or tweet me saying, I can't believe it, my girlfriend did leave me on Friday. Friday you know? nights you have to turn your phone off because you get, get all these, <laughs> these depressed people pinging you going... Well, it's, <laughs> it's just because they don't hold me responsible for it. <laughs> heard a rumour about you. There's an urban myth about you, mm. um, which I've, I think I've thrown out on the show before. I'm pretty sure it's wrong, but somebody told me that you were the heir. You know Clark's shoes? You know the kids' shoes that you wore? You were the heir to the fortune for Clark's shoes. Have you ever heard that? What, what on earth are you talking about? I've never <laughs> even heard. Where's that come from? Yeah. Someone in the 90s told me that in York. Right. Well, they, well, they were massively winding me up then. They, they certainly were. Are there any other urban myths, though, that you heard and you were like, well, that's not true? Well, funnily enough, there is one related to shoes. Somebody went onto our wiki page 
because anyone can go on anybody's Wikipedia page and just change things. And somebody obviously was a bit bored at the time and went on to our Ched Seven's Wikipedia page and said that I actually work in a shoe shop. But to embellish the story, because obviously that's not true. And there's nothing wrong with working in a shoe shop, by the way, but I just don't happen to do that. Yeah. But I think to embellish the story, they actually said, so they, they gave this a little bit of thought. They sat and thought about this. So, you know, where can Rickwear work? We'll say a shoe shop. But then because my customer service skills were that poor, I had to work in the in the warehouse in the back. I wasn't even allowed out on the shop front. Well, maybe they did that because they thought people might go in and check. Whereas if you're in the warehouse at the back, you can't check it. Plus also, actually, um, talking about shoes, weirdly, I was on holiday in Turkey quite a few years ago and we'd just had our evening meal and we thought let's go for a nice walk to walk that off before we hit the brandy yeah um, and we were walking down this nice street with shops spilling out onto the street and there was a shoe shop and it spilled out onto the street and there was kind of boxes of shoes and then the relevant shoe was on the top of each pile of these boxes of shoes and i'm just i'm kind of in my evening attire making a bit of an effort because I'm on holiday and I'm stood looking at these shoes, minding my own business and then some lady opposite me held up a pair of shoes and said to me how much are these? <laughs> to which I replied I don't know, I don't work here <laughs> and she said well you look like one of them <laughs> Oh, casual racism as well <laughs> Casual racism on the side yeah. So what I should have done, thinking back, and I'm quite annoyed that I didn't, I should have said, there are a hundred, whatever the money was, I can't think what the Turkish money is now, is it lira or something? There are a hundred lira. And then she would have given me the hundred pounds and I would have just walked off down into the sunset, yeah. wouldn't I? That is your lot. That is your interview with Britpop royalty, Rick Witter. Right, I'm going to take you back 25 years now, 25 years to a time. So this is 21st of October 1996 that this next song was released. It was released by a Liverpool band and it was released when Manchester United weren't utter rubbish and Liverpool hadn't completely demolished them 5-0 at home. Most people were happy with that result. I know a lot of people in Manchester weren't, but I couldn't help laughing. Being a West Ham fan, of course. Uh, so this is it. This, uh, this next song by Space is Neighbourhood, released 25 years ago. And that's the end of the show. Thanks again for listening. See you on the flip side.
down Cause they think we're scum But we will all be waiting when the bulldozers come In a neighborhood like this, you know